We're back, the Whiskey Hue, a podcast from three brown startup enthusiasts that pull back the curtain on business, culture, and side pieces. <laughs> Not that tight. We're talking emerging media, e-games, blockchain, and so much more. Without the bullshit, and most importantly, over whiskey. America calls Clyde Black, Athul Brown, and Anthony somewhere in the confusing middle. <laughs> We're three brothers, various shades of brown, bringing you the latest in tech, business, and startups mixed with a ton of sarcasm. Cue the music. Oh, that, oh, that, oh, Come on, oh, yeah. AG. Oh, hey, you freezing up? You freezing up? Stay trained. We have a guest, we have a pro on here, and I got caught up. I didn't want to. Oh, Usually with so, the music drops. So, so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, 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 AG has, uh, he's already mentioned, but we have a special guest today. We have Nora Ali, Ali from, uh, Cheddar, mm-hmm. uh, Cheddar TV, which everyone's probably already know about from our huge audience, the number one podcast in the world. Um, the world. <laughs> in the galaxy. We're working so, on Galaxy Next. We're working on Galaxy Next, but we're so excited to have Nora and to share insights and everything and, go over our whiskeys but before i before we know we do a formal introduction i wanted to have a take it from here nor ali i'll share our esteemed guest some very high level points and then hand it off to her to kind of finish off because she's highly qualified highly highly accomplished <laughs> professional we'll go professional and personal buckets right professional info harvard graduate was at Goldman Sachs, Jet.com, and now an anchor on Cheddar TV, the live streaming financial network. She's spearheading, spearheading several shows, which we'll delve into shortly. Personal level, she's from Minnesota, a Twins fan, plays Midwest, piano baby. and violin. Whoa. Yeah, uh, plays violin, is the middle child, and all Woo. three play piano or violin. From what I saw, the video was amazing. Check her out on YouTube. It was incredible. And they're very, very, very good. So they're just two people short of being the South Asian Jackson 5. But <laughs> um, okay, Clyde and AG, before I hand it back to Nora to clean it up, um, Nora and I came to know each of each other in early October, right? Um, saw her on Twitter, so I hit her up. Found out she had been to the Namek pitch competition that Salva360 Ventures uh, host with them every year. So we thought, let's get Nora on the show. So when I started watching Cheddar TV, Nora, I already mentioned this to you. I'm, I'm typically a Bloomberg CNBC guy, but have, you know, but you have some phenomenal content on Cheddar TV and I, and it was clean. It was clean. It was a nice break from the election cycle. That was just drama on some of the other channels. Dirty. Like, what are you, as clean as in what? No swear words. That's what he means. Super okay. clean. <laughs> uh, you know, there was the, the, the like you know on the news channels and networks. You know, I can't watch a lot of those, so I can wa- I watch the finance ones, and it it's just you had a different perspective. So your shows that you spearheaded, all hands race towards inclusion, fast forward, life after COVID nineteen. Well, these are just two of the many I think you spearheaded. On the weekends, you have great content on race, various industries, and the legacy and emerging business models. I love it. And it's great with me to sit on the kids and um, it's phenomenal. So let me just tell you. So Clyde usually does this portion of the show. Like he introduces everything. Cause he's the best one. He, you know, he's kind of runs point for us. He calls himself the Kanye West of this group. Yeah. Um, wow. and, the way, and, then, and then when wow. people ask him and when people ask him, he's like, I got a light skin friend. Looks like Michael Jackson. Got a dark skin friend. Looks like Michael Jackson. <laughs> So, <laughs> so you you upped our brown just by showing up, Nora. Greatly appreciated. <laughs> Let me hand it back to you, Nora, to clean it up and uh, just give us everything else. 
I mean, you've pretty much covered it. Um, let's see. My my career has been very circuitous, as you mentioned. I've wanted to be in the news space, but kind of as like this idea in the back of my head as a, uh, a hobby, a side hustle. So I was fortunate to come across this role at Cheddar, which combined all the things I've been interested in and, and worked in in the last few years since graduating college. So finance and tech and business startups the VC world, etc. So it's very fun for your listeners who haven't tuned into Cheddar yet. It's younger, it's more fun, cleaner, whatever that means with cool. Um, but we are encouraged to have our own perspective, have discussion as you guys do on your podcast. So it's it's a whole lot of fun. One no, quick that's question. Great. Yes. One quick question. So aside from being the child that my parents wish they had, um, <laughs> how much Dunkin' Donuts, how much Dunkin' Donuts do y'all drink at the, in the studio? Because y'all oh see big ass, extra size, extra tall, grande, whatever yes. that is. What's so going on? they are a sponsor and we often will get, you know, comments from viewers where they're like, you forgot to take your, your Dunkin' cup off your desk. And I'm like, no, no, that's, that's on purpose. Um, so to be honest, usually I have my own coffee on the side and the cup is just uh, kind of there, but I am drinking imagine, Dunkin' coffee. We'll edit that out. We'll edit that out. We'll edit that out. <laughs> no, oh. I'm, still, I'm still drinking Dunkin' coffee. Don't you worry. It's just like down here next to me versus in oh, in the shot, it's like floating up by my head it's and it's hard, like hard to reach. Yeah. This is, this is <laughs> yeah. <TV> right here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, give me a black eye, man. Come on. <laughs> All right. Clyde, no, clean us up. Clyde. That's amazing. So as you can tell, uh, Thule doesn't really know anything about marketing. Asking that question because, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like the uh, American Idol when they had the Coke uh, glasses up yep. on the screen. Yep. Exact same format. So, you know, he's the, he's the VC guy. I'm the marketing guy. And Anthony is the business. He gets he gets the deal done. Right. So that's our perspective that we try right. to add to this uh, um this show and give our our point of view from the black and brown perspective so you know it's unique it's something that you don't find every day and it started off with a, a text chain where we would just go back and forth and you know my minutes ran out because i have a boost mobile uh <laughs> <laughs> wait what <laughs> what's going on no, i'm joking i'm joking we can uh, you, some but, money, Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you know the market was down today you know the times are hard uh but we, um, you know, we, we love this stuff and we go back and forth where we say, you know, let's start the podcast and, you know, bring great, great guests on like yourself and, you know, dive into various topics. And uh, most importantly, like I mentioned in the opening, it's over whiskey, right? Mm -hmm. Whiskey is our common bond. We like to drink di different types and explore. So, you know, as our special guest today, we want to have you introduce our whiskey of the day. Um, and... You know, tell us about it. Tell the story, why you're passionate about it or why you're drinking it. And we'll go from there. Okay. Wow. Passion for whiskey. All right. So it's a pinhook bohemian bourbon yes. and the company founder, the CEO came on to Cheddar last year and pinhook. Okay. I'm going to get this wrong, but pinhook is like the name for a way to raise thoroughbred horses. Okay. A tool's nodding his head. I guess I am correct in that. I'm just remembering from last year. And um, that's kind of the sentiment that they have is you are you're nurturing this whiskey and you are releasing it into the wild when it's ready. And I wish I could tell you what the notes are, but the notes I smell are booze. We got Clyde for that. We got Clyde for that. Yeah. <laughs> 
Hold on. That's my thing. I do liquor like he's reading a romance novel. He's like, oh, hey, man. Oh, my gosh. He's like, hey. <laughs> Wait, you guys got the same as I did? Atul, you guys were able to all do that? I mean, so here's the thing. <laughs> so we actually had this on our first, one of our first few episodes. We And, and it was great. We, we actually. Wow. Yeah. No, we've done. Yeah. So, and it's, it's great. It's great. I couldn't find it. So mm. I, I'm just full transparency. I couldn't, I called my neighborhood guy and he didn't have it and I couldn't uh. get it. Here we are. Yeah, Clyde, right. do you have it? Yep. That's so why I, you need to come down to, you know, in, in the oranges, baby. We you, you can get the good stuff down here. Oranges. Which orange? You got to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So right. I'm sipping on it, but yeah, this is something that I introduced to the fellas earlier on and, I'm a fan. Uh, we won't dive into it. You know, we'll share our opinions later in the show. But what we like to do is introduce it. Let everyone know what we're drinking. We're going to sip on it throughout. Nora just made another face for our podcasters on there. Just so I you can I'm going to call you out. I wish we were recording this. <laughs> yeah, she made an emoji, emoji face. <laughs> <laughs> the, squint, the squinty face, whatever yeah. that is. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy it. Just maybe uh-huh. not the notes in in my mouth i don't know you know what yeah. you know what? it's but it's it. a, that's an acquired it's an acquired thing i we yes. were nora I just, you know our for our listeners who already heard multiple times how a fool clowns me because i'm new to whiskey i'm the newer one out of oh, the okay. out of whiskey like a baby <laughs> so I, I, i'm a little so i i initially made those faces too i Mm-hmm. I, one of my favorite whiskeys until a couple months ago was uh, as uh, Lafroig. Oh okay. my garbage! So, is that garbage? I, no, it's not garbage. I've heard Lafroig is another, great. Another sponsor it's out the great. window. They haven't <laughs> sponsored yet, so true opinion. You know, but it has a bite. It has an initial. Has a, yeah. a yeah. bite when you sure. first drink. So my face was like yours. Mm, okay. I, so it's fine. Just don't don't take this nonsense from them. Okay, wonderful. <laughs> no, I don't take it personally. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm, I'm still squinting, whatever, uh, on some on some of them. We all do that. Yeah. We all do that. So, so what we're going to do is we're going to sip on uh, the pin hook, Bohemian bourbon whiskey today during the episode, and then we'll dive into it later on the episode. But before we dive into the episode and go into some great topics with Nora, we just kind of want to see what's what's going on. What's going on, uh, everyone? What What's new? Uh, any quick quick information you want to share with the listeners of uh, what's been happening this week? I don't know. Nora, Anthony, either out of you. The week is, um, it's nothing crazy right now. This has actually been a calm week for me. So just so uh, you know, Nora, Anthony is I'm our oh, aficionado yeah. of, he wears an ascot and he goes to Formula One racing <gasps> kayaking on the weekend. I, and then also, uh, 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 with Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, yeah there yeah. you go. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm no I'm no more I'm no more I have to have a larger I, I like different sports so they like to clown me for that okay I don't see anything wrong with liking Premier League soccer and Formula I'm into One that I play that okay? yeah, and, you know, I, got, I prefer college sports so sometimes over professional okay. yeah. it is, so this, it is this year must have been a challenge for you to oh, not have good. much to to watch it's been horrible but you know formula one has been has been saving me um recently so it's been okay you know i, I can care less sometimes about the nfl mm. i'm more Ooh. Ooh, the last three nights. yeah it's it's a non-stop nfl game for the past I'm, couple i'm days. loving it i'm loving it i love that i love I, that's my favorite sport so <laughs> you know i just miss i miss the fanfare of, of yeah. sports and mm-hmm. yeah you lose it when there's no nobody in the crowds so mm. So yeah, but from a from a pers- business side, uh, you know, it's been kind of slow this week. You know, outside of the market, and we chatted about DoorDash today. Yeah, 
my prediction. That was going to be my shit you should know, but okay. We'll talk about uh, it. We'll hold that off, but let's leave that, let's leave that to later. Uh-oh. I will say that DoorDash did do a little marketing today, and they were sending out uh, notifications where I got, you know, an offer for $0 delivery plus 15% off. You know, that's a classic marketing thing when people go IPO. They always want to get their consumer base excited. So I was excited mm-hmm. to see that uh, in addition to the normal IPO. But uh, I may order some food through DoorDash today just, you know, just to represent. Nice. Nice. On a serious note, because the COVID-19 just hitting us all, right? Um, I'm learning things about this day after day. So my wife's in healthcare and she was mentioning this. So apparently if you're in an interview and you take your pants off, you are not immune to COVID-19 because Rudy Giuliani got it, baby. Oh, he got it. Just a positive. That's where I go oh, usually. I was like, where is this going? <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's what we do all the time. Not safe. Every episode, every episode, we're just sitting here like, <laughs> like where is this going? Batting 100. Batting 100, though, I got to say. And then, and then before we edit it, we have to make sure we, we wait 24 hours before we touch it so we can kind of come back to reality and say, oh, shouldn't say that on there. Mm, oh, I'm gotcha, gotcha. I'm keeping it in. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Nora, anything, anything exciting new going on for you this week before we dive in? Uh, I mean, the IPO stuff is like it, okay. it takes over our coverage because we do have a set on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. Yes. Um, so we're like we're like in it when it happens. But I do try to offset my uh, the, the, the smart stuff, the stuff I have to cover for work with really dumb TV. So I've been catching up on a The Bachelorette. I doubt any of you are fans of The Bachelorette. And I've also recently started watching the Great British Baking Show. So that's what's new with me this week is trying to find like the most mind numbing TV I can to to stay sane. I get it. I get it. Cool. So uh, I will say I have seen The Bachelor. Not because I was watching it because I'm married and my wife watches it. So, you know. (laughs) That's always the story. Yes. Always, always the story. I will say that they did go from. Uh, historic moment where one girl was on, one lady was on there, she left, and then they put a new one in there. So I was like, "Wow, this is that's amazing. all. That's all you need to know." They're working know. very hard on representation, on diversity too, and that was part of it. Claire, is, I'm going to bore everyone, but Claire, who is the woman who was chosen to be the Bachelorette, she found love in two weeks, as Clyde alluded to. White woman, very similar to other women who have led the show, but now Tasha, who is a black woman, has stepped in. And we're seeing more diversity and a little bit more flavor. And I think they're trying to head in the right direction, but it's been very slow. So okay. not judging you, Nora. I am judging Clyde a little bit for watching the bachelor. <laughs> yeah. hey, I know it's coming. I know it's coming, man. You know, pick that up later. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, no, we're gonna pick it up later. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, I'll open myself up. You know, but um, vulnerability is a new thing for 2020. That's, that's good, man. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it's almost over. Back to my shell in 2021. Um, <laughs> but you know, we uh, we're excited because today we're going to be talking about some great topics. And one of the things I want to start off with is I don't know if everyone saw it today, but Facebook is getting sued, uh, and they're getting sued by. Uh, I'm sorry, 40 states. I think have already 48. 48 now. Yeah. Yeah. And the FTC. And the Federal Commission. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So that just came out a couple hours ago. And, you know, they're, it's interesting because they're looking for them to divest and saying they have a monopolistic 
uh, hold on the competitive marketplace. And ironically enough, Facebook responded and they said, you know what? We don't. We made it. We made investments. We made strategic purchases and we made stuff uh, successful. So it's going to be a battle. It's one of those things where, you know, you you think back and say, how is this impacting not only the consumer, but how much how important is uh, big tech regulation? And mm-hmm. that's something we want to dive into early and get your perspective on, Nora. Not necessarily the the old and boring perspective, but um, <laughs> you know, like these are the rules and et cetera. But like, how is it going to impact the consumer? You know, why is it important from a black and brown perspective? How is it going to impact the way that people consume content, media, mm-hmm. and um, and then and just dive into it that way because this was this was is very interesting. I think the first step of this conversation was earlier this quarter where they brought the uh, tech leaders down to Congress where I had a virtual conversation. And um, and then this is like the next phase and it's slowly, slowly evolving. Yeah, it, it was a big step today, a long time coming. So I actually spoke to the attorney general from Connecticut, William Tong, very shortly after this, um, this news came out of this lawsuit. And he spoke to me about this this notion that Facebook has had ill intention in a way to crush competition when it's acquired Instagram and WhatsApp. <clears throat> and part of Facebook's defense was this is revisionist history. That those are that's Facebook's words. Because Mark Zuckerberg has said time and time again, Instagram and WhatsApp wouldn't be what they are if they weren't under the umbrella of Facebook. We've invested billions of dollars in these companies. The FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, you have stood by and watched us make these investments. You approved these acquisitions when they happened. So I think it's it's hard to try to regulate retroactively. So the question I asked A.G. Tong was, what do you do for the TikToks of the world that are now flourishing there's no antitrust scrutiny on TikTok. It's more scrutiny around national security issues around its um, Chinese ownership by ByteDance. So I think it's always going to be lawmakers just trying to catch up to big tech platforms. Yeah. They're growing too quickly. Lawmakers don't know what to look for until it's too late, unfortunately. Do you feel that they've moved? So here's the thing. Uh, I, I play both sides of this. I think from I understand monopolies we don't allow. We can't even though we have them. At for certain pockets of time, right? Let's pull back. Should we jump into the section 230 and then peel back from there? Like that's been a big thing. And I think now it might, we might reel into it. Cause I know Clyde and Nora, both of you are big fans of this. Um, Clyde's the only guy I know who watches C-SPAN. I, th- I was joking <laughs> with Nora. I said, I know two people. And she goes, no, it's on Cheddar. That's why I'm watching. Like, okay. Yeah. That makes more sense. <laughs> but, yeah. no, but that, delve into that and delve that. And then we'll peel back and do the entire thing if you want. So mm-hmm. section two, you want to, you want to set it up? Uh, So Section 230 is something that we've heard a lot about in the last couple of months. And essentially, this is a part of the Communications Decency Act where tech platforms are protected twofold. They're not held liable for content that their users post on their sites, on their platforms, but they can also decide to remove content with impunity. So make moderation choices at their will, essentially. So the reason, you know, Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey, Mark Zuckerberg, CEO Facebook were called to testify on Capitol Hill is because Democrats and Republicans are not fans of Section 230, but they have very different reasons for why they're not fans of Section 230, which makes me think they might not be able to come up with regulation to fix it to make everybody happy. But for Republicans, 
they think that these tech platforms are left leaning. They censor conservative voices. So they don't like the part of Section 230 that protects them uh, from getting any repercussions when they remove content or remove accounts or block accounts. And then for Democrats, they're very against misinformation, against hate speech, anything that can influence elections, that sort of thing. So that's the part of the 230 protections that they would like to get adjusted. But either way, almost nobody is entirely happy with how Section 230 is at this point when you talk about lawmakers. And whether you moderate more or you moderate less, again, same thing you just said, no one will ever be, you're not going to satisfy everyone. There's just, it's impossible to do that. And so like Pizzagate, that was clear uh, version to what they, you know, that, that was, that happened with Hillary Clinton this time. People actually believed it. So the harmful content is what they want to remove. A lot of them Mm -hmm. parlor is like, we saw, we, we've seen what they're doing over there. Reddit has a lot of rabbit holes. You can climb down as well. Yeah. It's there. So, Take it. I don't know the right answer to this, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I you know, and we want people to. It's free. There's free speech, but here's the thing: if you peel back the Section 230, let's say if you say we want people to platforms to self-regulate, mm. then they're really. I think it's going to be more strict and more stringent because they will be risk of libel. They don't want to get sued, so then I think they're going to pull even more content off. I think they're a little bit safer having yeah. content feel through right now. So that's the interesting thing here. No one's going to. There's never going to be any clear solution. Yeah, I mean, especially because let's take the example of removing misinformation. Mm -hmm. Removing misinformation fundamentally is antithetical to the business models of these platforms. Because have you guys seen The Social Dilemma, the Netflix documentary? Um, An eye-opening piece of content. It's like stuff we already knew, but the way that they framed it was entertaining. Great storytelling, yeah. So conspiracy theories, misinformation, that just gets shared more. An MIT study a couple of years ago, the the most comprehensive study on misinformation on Twitter showed that by tenfold information travels faster if it's incorrect or conspiratorial and information spreading faster, engagement equals more time spent on these platforms. You all know the bottom line, that means more advertising revenue. So they're not gonna be able to self-police unless it is mandated that they have to remove that kind of content. Yeah. Clive, yeah. Anthony, jump in. No, so I, I, I'm, I, in other episodes, I'm big on um, some kind of regulation. Every other industry in this country has been regulated in some form or fashion. Um, there's no reason that, you know, the tech industry shouldn't be. Now, you know, I know some people have different, you know, Section 230 is one, one thing. And then there's the idea of protecting data. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, then there's idea, you know, like, because the, the tech industry innovates at such a rapid pace, more than any other company in, in or companies or, or industry in history, you have to have some way to keep them in a space where you protect people, mm-hmm. right? And that that's where that's always my concern. I, I, I again, yeah. I, from business side and protection of you know, hey, we we own stocks, we want to we you know they employ you know thousands of people, but we have to make sure they, no matter what they're doing, global companies are protecting their citizen, you know, uh, th- this country is protecting its citizens. The EU is protecting their citizens yeah. right now with the GPD, with the GPDR. GDPR, yeah. So we have to figure out something. My my biggest thing is when people oppose it, are what are they are what are they actually opposing, right? If every other industry in this country has been regulated in some form or fashion. Mm-hmm. I so w- are you asking what are the tech companies themselves opposing? 
Well, yes, yes, really the tech companies. I know they want to just keep on doing business as usual. Yeah, so I think the the problem is that there is no easy answer of what the right regulation is. Because when Mark Zuckerberg was testifying on Capitol Hill after Cambridge Analytica, he, he literally said, I'm happy to work with you, senators, congresspeople, on the right regulation. Obviously, nothing's happened in the U.S. at least um, to, to a, a meaningful extent in the last couple of years. But that's because no one can decide on what the right regulation is. And in the interim, Facebook, on the idea of data protection, Facebook has tried to offer these steps that consumers can proactively take. Like you can opt out of certain kind of tracking or make your data more portable to, to other places, take it with you, that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, we say we care about our data privacy and data protections, yeah. but consumers like aren't going to take those steps, A, to read user agreements or to go into your settings and decide that you don't want to be tracked. Um, so it, it's hard to leave it to the choice of the tech platforms via the consumer. So Anthony, I totally agree with you. Like It's it's going to have to come from the, the government. Because my, my thoughts on data is no one really... It's you, any business meeting you go to, people talk about big data, et cetera, yada, yada, yada. Most people have no idea what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Data. Yeah. Like, uh, before, before you jumped on, Athul, we, we, were, we were chatting about uh, Bloomberg charts and, and all their graphs that they put on. And I was like, most people have no idea what the hell they're watching here. Outside, it goes up, it goes down, goes up good, down bad. <laughs> so when you look at data and, and people's personal data, no one sees the harm that could come out of it. And I don't think, you know, the big companies, no one has ill intent. A lot of people don't have ill intent. It's what happens through third parties. And there's lack of control of that mm-hmm. word. Intent could happen. Well, we want the ecosystems, everything we've seen in movies since forever, right? We want all these cool technologies. But to get that, you need that big data to play in that. Section 230 was established in the 90s, this is the form that was passed. So this is before a lot of these platforms were existed yeah. Yeah. out there out there in the open, right? So if you look at it, Facebook right now is the largest publisher of child pornography, if you look at that, right? And it, it, it is, right? Now, if you if you Google at that, it shows up. I'm not saying it's a fault of theirs. I'm just saying it's a fact that there I, – I mean, I've, I'm not saying – I don't go – I haven't been on Facebook in – I've been twice this year, maybe, <laughs> but, but they, I, when I Google it, I was surprised to see that, that, Oh, okay. That's interesting. But that's, you know, they're a publisher of content that they, that's not originally created in house. It's by all the people on their platform. This whole thing came to life again when AOC, when Zuckerberg went, right. It was 2018, 19 when he went to, and they were supposed to discuss Libra and AOC went after him. This is during like, you know, cushion gate when he was sitting on the six inch cushion to be appear a little taller. So and she went after him about this. Hey, what don't users deserve the right to be have fact checking on your platform so they are not abused or, you know, presented with abusive content? There's a point there. There's a point there. Absolutely. And then when you dig down, I said, okay, so where was she going with that? Then I saw in that same. okay, the the child thing. I said, okay, that's this is Uh not great. So yeah, it, should it, should we revisit this? It's twenty five. It's it's outdated. Twenty five years old, right? Before a lot of these technologies existed, I'm just how do they use it to moderate New York Times, and how do we apply that to the Facebooks of the world and the Instagrams of the world now? So that's the that's one approach. Even though the technology has changed, because it was presented 
as far as to hit newspapers initially, right? And uh, all of these in books and all that. So how do we, what do you draw from that? What do you extract from that to apply to our current technology? Yeah, I mean, I think the idea is to, to remove some of those protections and to have real consequences if Facebook were to not be able to catch a piece of misinformation. Because right now, the only incentive they have is that it makes them look bad, um, especially in policing hate speech. Just this week, Facebook decided that they're going to algorithm algorithmically police hate speech towards black people more aggressively than hate speech towards white people because they were just looking for keywords, not weighting anything differently. But then that's the problem with relying on algorithms is, of, of course, there's different varying levels of what is considered very harmful content um, versus not. So um, the, the example you brought up, a tool of child pornography on Facebook, that's quite relevant this week because Pornhub has actually been brought into the limelight this week, especially around some of these content moderation practices. There wasn't explosive New York Times expose at the end of last week that highlighted that there's there's rampant illegal content on um, you know child trafficking, on rape, on violent content on the platform. And for some reason, platforms like Pornhub, which is in the top 10 most trafficked sites in the United States, they are just kind of slipping under the radar at this point because lawmakers are so focused on on big tech, on Facebook and Google, because that's the content that is in front of our faces and can impact elections and can impact how we view even lawmakers and their policies. It, it feels like it impacts them more day to day. So Pornhub actually came out and changed their policies this week when it comes to content moderation. So they're hiring more moderators. They've So the New York Times interviewed one moderator from the parent company of Pornhub, MindGeek. I, I know a lot about this right now because I did a, a research report on this. Okay, listen, so fine. stop me if I'm getting into a too deep of a rabbit hole. Go for it. So the New York Times interviewed one of the moderators and they estimated that there's only 80 human moderators across these hundreds of websites that MindGeek, the parent company of Pornhub, owns. Compare that to 15,000 human moderators for Facebook. And there's so much more content in many ways that's uploaded on Pornhub. And they also decided that you can only upload content if you're a verified user. Um, and they're limiting, you can't download content anymore unless you're a paying subscriber, that sort of thing. So it's like there's a lot of other issues that aren't policed because it's not in front of us. And that is the problem with how lawmakers operate. It's like, what is going to have the most impact on my constituents today? They care about data privacy. That's like the, the taste of the moment. Um, but it's much harder to police these actually problematic platforms like like a Pornhub, for example. Well, but but it's it's, it's interesting because we, we say, you know, the, the problem is, you know, I have my own opinions of Congress and and how 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 they move and, you know, maybe not swift enough. Um, again, I know I understand government moves slow. Um, and that's fine. You, know, you have to consider a lot of other uh, uh, varying opinions, et cetera. But we have to get to an answer, right? We, you know, mm -hmm. my my biggest thing is we can't keep on saying, you know, we, not you, Clyde, and, and you're saying what, what we all we said in multiple episodes. We have to figure out something, right? Where we start to, you know, rope these guys into a certain strategy or policy that they can adhere to mm -hmm. and then you build on top of it 
right? You can't, we, but every time, every, every new administration comes in and kick the can, you know, they kick the can down the road and then boom, next administration has to take this and next administration has to take this. And then there has to be something. And so what content moderation, as you mentioned, that's, that's huge. You know, of course you got data privacy, you know, we're, we're looking at, I, I would say, you know, competition too. Right. Competition is another element of, of, of regulation, um, how that's really looking, because at the end of the day, it's the big guys and, and then the big guys buy everybody else. That they're <laughs> right? uh-huh. uh, so that's a whole there's a whole bunch of ways you look at it. But the, the hot topic is content moderation uh-huh. and data privacy. I think there's a few like areas of solution that have been floated a little bit. Clyde, you brought up this idea of protecting startups. That's one of the issues with sweeping regulation is YouTube, Facebook, et cetera, have flourished because they've been protected by Section 230. Now, if you have retroactive legislation, what about any company that would have been able to grow and compete against them? That's the problem. So maybe there's different rules that apply based on the scale and the size of your company or the revenue of your company, for example. Uh, I think there are stipulations in, in GDPR in Europe that it's, it's different based on, or, or the, the fines are an X percentage of your revenue, that sort of thing. So it's a, a basically a bigger punishment if you're a bigger company. But there's also this idea of, um, Facebook has this independent board that they've established where if your content gets removed, you can appeal the process. These are people who don't work at Facebook, different varying levels of expertise. That's something that Facebook has tried to do, but what if there was a government body or like a government appointed group of people who looks at content that's been removed. Um, so I think there is, there is space to figure out a solution. Just the incentives are so mismatched, mismatched between the companies themselves and the lawmakers, unfortunately. Yeah. I just don't, I don't want to, I don't want to mess up their innovation. I know. Yeah. I'm worried about. Yeah. Yeah. You clamp down on any of these folks in any regard, and you talk about monopolies, whatever, all these companies are too large. Look at countries like China. They let people run wild and phenomenal innovation comes out of there. Right. And that's Alibaba. There's nothing we have that can compete with that. You can put three companies together that can compete with that, (laughs) but nothing in America can compete with that. TikTok, the algorithm's there. We can't even touch it. So, Clyde, you wrap us here uh, because we got another great topic to talk about. Sorry. (laughs) I'm going to. I'll keep going down. Nora, this pinhook Bohemian bourbon whiskey was great to revisit. I've, you know, I'm picking up new notes. I'm seeing some orange peel, uh, like the orange flavor, a little clove, a little uh, tropical fruit, a little caramel, you know, and, you know, I'm getting all of that. The guys always get on me for, you know, diving into the notes, but I'm, I'm getting all that. You know, I, I'm still feeling the pinhook. And it's been great to great to visit. What do you think? That sounds accurate. Floral, yes. Mm-hmm. I remember that. I remember that. I wish we had a we recorded. It. You know what I remember about it though? It would go in. It when you drink, you would take a sip. It would open up, but not as wide as what we did last week. It would open up, but it would sit in the middle and go down. It was it was smooth. It had like it had a blunt ish takedown when you when you sipped it. When you, when you drank it, when you swallowed it. For, for me, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't, yes, it didn't, it didn't smack you for me. You know, <laughs> it doesn't smack you in the face right away. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 it's, it's, it's after you, it's when you, when, when it hits the back of your tongue, then it kind of, you hit, yeah. you know, it gets that little punch a little. So, well, but it's a, it's a great taste. 
It's smooth, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, remember, it's like a wine bottle. Is that wine bottle look? We like what yeah. the hell? So, I mean, but then, and then, but it's it's great. So you know, let's story. go break up the story. Okay. No, let me just give it. Let me give Nora like when some props. She brought it up at, at the top. So Kentucky is from Kentucky. It's a Kentucky term mean meant to. And I know this from Google, baby. <laughs> it's just not. It's not just in there. Um, buying baby baby thoroughbreds, holding them while they mature, feeding them well, taking care of them, grooming them, and then selling them when they are ready to run. So that's the entire story behind it. So they release small batches, and every year they're slightly different because there's entirely pure no blend, right? So the, And so whatever comes out that year be due to whatever's happening in the environment and what they're putting in is how the taste is. So every ta- every batch can be slightly different than the, than the next. So it it's interesting, and it's very young. Uh, actually goes back to your YouTube video, 2011. <laughs> Nora, that's when it was it started in 2011. So, yes, that's young for bourbon. Yeah, yeah. So I'm excited. So, in you know, a lot of times we drink like 12, 14, 18 year, whatever. But this is like it's always going to be small, young, younger batches. Mm. Can you guys tell when it's like the age of a whiskey by tasting it? Yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think I think our show, which is great, represents multiple generations of whiskey drinkers. Me, I'm a novice. I'm like, uh. Tastes like, tastes good to me. Yeah. (laughs) Let's get back into media, specifically Disney. Yeah, I think uh, for Disney specifically, it was such opportune timing for them to have launched Disney Plus at the end of last year. In fact, Google recently came out with their most top search terms of 2020. And, you know, it's stuff like coronavirus and murder hornets and all these devastating things that happened this year. And last year, number one search term was Disney Plus. So that just goes to show what was important to people last year. Yeah, but this news for Warner Brothers is obviously huge. You know, some film studios are are angered by this this move in this direction. Others are like, you know what, that's great. People can have access to our content while still staying safe. My biggest questions are kind of the pricing strategy around it. Because we saw for Disney Plus, I, I would posit to say Mulan was not a success because Disney decided not to share metrics around how Mulan did, which means it probably wasn't that amazing. But are they going to figure out, you know, premium prices for certain content or what is the way to retain customers on the streaming platform if they've decided to just pay for that month because they want to watch Wonder Woman or, or whatever it is in the same way that people abandon ship a little bit after Game of Thrones is over, for example. So I think I think in general, it's good for consumers because we got choices. That's all consumers really want at the end of the day. But I don't know. I don't know what it's going to mean for movie theaters, especially. Let me set one one tonality here and then let's draw back from that, jump back into the AT&T Warner thing. So media industry has always been based on concepts, right? Intellectual property, cultural impact, talent, and that when combined and properly executed, create products that we highly value and that we can charge the price points we charge or they could right now. So now I think with the, all the, the evolution of the home theater and all of this, they've done quite a bit compared to we've gotten IPIC out of movie theaters in the last 20 years, right? That's been the biggest evolution, which is cool. It's just not, you know, home theaters are, have evolved at an exponential uh, trigger. So I think they need to, A, renegotiate with stars and because those contracts and careers are built off the box office model, mm-hmm. right? And then now with smaller rev lines, but in many cases still these ballooning budgets, how do you recalibrate that whole thing? So that's that's going to impact all this. Now, getting back to your AT&T, the AT&T finally doing something with that wonderful content they've been sitting on for like a couple of years, right? They own the entire Warner Media uh, portfolio. Finally, 
Like, what have you been doing with that thing, right? Because, I mean, look, they've been sitting on this best content. I kind of liken it to they've had phenomenal content, and then they became like the IBM, just sat on it. And then guess what? Apple and all the other Microsoft came aboard and took it off, which is what Netflix kind of did. So they did that to them. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited about what movies for. So I did my day. Jump in and we'll come back. Well, so here, here's the thing. So Netflix is the creator of the whole streaming universe, right? right? How, they, how they modeled it and everybody else seems to have just copied it. Right. Mm-hmm. I think what needs to happen now is, is as we just talked about in the previous segment is innovation already. And that to me is Warner brothers has tossed all their content on HBO max. You have to go dumpster diving to find most of that content. <laughs> if you want to find cla- they have tons of classic movies. I, I've caught up on some movies that I've always said, I'm going to watch this. And but you have to go deep. You have to deep dive into finding it. Mm-hmm. HBO Max's platform is 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 cool, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> to, you, to to find it, you got to work. They have to work on a user experience. Yeah. Like I I I I have been my, in other text chains. I'm like, who has the best user experience out of all the streaming platforms? And you know, it depends on you. Netflix is superior to Amazon. Well, I do yeah. feel like there's, I mean, there's obviously so many pieces of, of user experience, but I think Anthony, this is what you were alluding to is the, the recommendation algorithm for Netflix. It's much yeah. easier to, to discover content that is good for you. Even before, you know, it's good for you. I, I liken Netflix to the algorithms for recommendation for Netflix are almost as good as the algorithms on TikTok. I was going to say that. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Because on, on TikTok, I don't know how much how many hours you guys spend scrolling on TikTok per day. For me, it's uh, sometimes multiple. But you 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 learn uh, things about yourself that you didn't know were attributes about you by scrolling through your for you page and by what TikTok surfaces to you. And I think when my Netflix I tend to just have on my TV and it's just scrolling through these you know previews of content and every single piece of content that scrolls by, I'm like, oh wow, yeah, I'd watch that. And I, w- I wouldn't have learned about it through marketing, yeah. other marketing or f- friends, word of mouth. It's just, it's literally things that only I would like. So I, mm. I think it's an incredible job in yeah. that. And, and Netflix has a, how long has Netflix been out? Over 10 years? About they have, 10, they have, they have 10. a run. They have a nice runway on everybody else. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> uh, when it comes down to understanding your the algorithm, that's the user experience side. I think to what you were, you two were saying, uh, was it, but no, the, the key is what do you do from a business side, right? Yeah. What is Disney has a unique opportunity and unique leverage against just about everybody, right? They have mm-hmm. next will be probably Peacock. Um, when you have a parks division, you have other divisions that you can, if you sat down and all the, the creative minds got together with some business people and say, how do we really maximize the platform? What do we offer from a Disney parks uh, side of it? What do we do from the consumer product goods side of it? How do we tie it all together in a seamless way? Because then there's going to be the idea of what we talked about, almost like a contextual commerce through through streaming. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? And not every platform is going to have the opportunity. That's why I was saying maybe Peacock, the next closest one. I think that's that's such an important topic, contextual commerce, because we've obviously seen social media platforms tackle that like to a great extent in the past couple of years where you can see an influencer post, you click on it and you can 
purchase within the app. But there was some tests, I think NBC did this, where there's QR codes when you're watching an advertisement on traditional mm -hmm. TV. Yeah, no one's gonna do that. I see you shaking your head, Anthony. I think it's- It didn't work. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why we're not, we're not seeing it anymore. So right. can, well, Netflix has tested out the, these embedded advertisements. Clyde, I'm sure you know about this, but it's like Stranger Things and, was it KFC? They had a partnership with KFC or something where it's like they're eating buckets of KFC as part of the scene and KFC is paying for that. We see that, it, you know, we were talking about with Cheddar and our Dunkin' Cups, but we're starting to see that more on yeah. Netflix series now too. Well, because they, well, Netflix also has to offset that massive uh, yeah. content budget. <laughs> so, I, so, you know, we talked about Netflix's own the last 10. We think Disney with its entire ecosystem will own the next 10, if mm -hmm. not more. And so of all their parks, they're all open besides the the OG, the California one. Yeah. Shanghai has been open for several months mm -hmm. at a limited capacity, like 25% capacity, right? Yeah. So as soon as we can get popping. So now if we're talking to our little secret doctor friends, they're telling us we're going to get vaccines. We'll be readily, readily available by spring-ish. Then you'll go down the tiers of who can get them. We're already getting text chains. Hey, you want one? You want in? I'm like, nah, <laughs> <We'll> wait. <laughs> no, you but, um, exactly. Uh, so like it's, it's going to be, I think Disney, the entire ecosystem they're doing and Kevin Mayer. So if they are doubling down on the Disney plus roadmap, Mm -hmm. Why didn't they put install him versus the park guy? Well, he then he wouldn't have had to run to Byte Dance and TikTok and all that, and then have to veto that when he because he didn't want to work for another conglomerate, Microsoft or Oracle, Nora, which makes you, complete damn sense. Before before you jump in, Nora, I just want to say that I I don't like giving credit to any one of these two. Okay, but Athul did say it when they when he went. Why is the park guy running Disney? <laughs> <laughs> he said, and I was like, I think it just made no. I, I was like, I think it makes sense. Parks, he he knows the business, and then COVID that's like the IBM. Hey, you know what? Bye, Biger, who's been baller for us, who oversaw like some great. Well, the M and A, a lot of it came from Kevin Mayer's Rolodex and his propensity to spot value and bring it into the ecosystem. Right? You have to give him credit, and Bob Iger probably shares a lot, probably green lit, green lit a lot of those. But Kevin Mayer probably his team, his squad went and got those deals done. In my opinion. In in the defense of the choice of Bob Chapek in choosing a parks guy, Dizzy didn't know a pandemic was coming. Like pre-pandemic, the idea. He knows a lot, but it doesn't know um, about global <laughs> health crises. But like pre-pandemic, the theme of experiences was such a huge thing, right? It's like yeah. investing in things like parks and, and recreation. And then for retail, draw people into these flagship stores with cocktails and DJs. Uh, DJs, yeah, literally. Nike store did that. Yeah, Nike yeah. did that. Nordstrom flagship did that. So I think Disney was going that route pre-pandemic. And they mm -hmm. were just lucky enough to have launched Disney Plus in November. And the, the the content play at that point, I think, for Disney Plus was really leaning into their franchises that are, are you know, these storylines are related to each other. And I say that with my, you know, my Marvel toys behind me, but for Marvel specifically, <laughs> launching WandaVision, The Falcon, uh, and The Winter Soldier show, these series on Disney Plus, which you literally have to watch for the next phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe to make sense for the movies to make sense they're like well you need to pay for your disney plus subscription so that doctor strange can make sense next year shang chi and the legend of the ten rings can make sense to you 
But now it's like all of that gets tossed up in the air because now they have these this separate functions, essentially, when they did their big reorganization a few weeks ago, content here, distribution here on the other side. And it's this entire team to figure out like where we actually launch something, whether it's on streaming or um, in the theaters. All that to say, I think the, the choice of Bob Chapek probably made a whole lot of sense. But in retrospect, maybe not so much sense anymore. Why not? Why wouldn't Reed Hastings? So I th- this guy's sharp, right? And he knew he wanted to get acquired by HBO back in the day. They said, nope, and laughed him out of, out of the box. So, okay. So Disney has the online offline experience, parks, merch, all of that. I can see Netflix maybe under another umbrella or independently going into that space or begin acquiring because once you get to a certain level, you've, you're going to maximize a certain, your sub model lasts only so long. You acquire your way into relevance into other industries to complement the entire portfolio ecosystem. I can see them doing that. Okay. Where's the merch play? And we all take an ownership. I think that's going to be a huge play for them. Go ahead, Andy. So what, what, so what we're not what we're not talking about when it comes out of Disney is ESPN, mm-hmm. right? What do we do? What's going on now? Because I know NFL, hey, the eight hundred pound gorilla, they know distribution, mass audience is the key, and right now the mass audience is still broadcast networks. What about all these other licensing deals? Yeah. How does Disney continue? Disney Plus is growing. I don't know what the numbers are. No one talks about ESPN Plus. <laughs> all I know true, I have my ESPN on like bundle with the with Hulu, but no one talks about yeah. ESPN Plus. I try to watch some, you know, Bundesliga game matches here and there. And the other day I was bored. I just had cricket on for some reason. Nora <laughs> and I don't even watch cricket. Damn it. What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you what do you do from an evolution side with, with ESPN and, mm-hmm. and those licensing deals? And those licensing deals though and not NFL's not getting any cheaper. And then yeah. college football, and I know we talk about it, isn't getting any cheaper. Right. It's going to continue to increase and these prices are going to continue to change. So what do you do with them? I think when you talk about these licensing deals for different leagues and games, it really feels like a battle between Disney and Amazon at this point, because we know Amazon has you know, won the rights to certain leagues, some soccer leagues. I, I don't remember which one specifically, but that's, that's the challenge with Amazon. Any space that they dabble in, they're probably going to win in some way because they have so many diversified businesses to fund each other. So for Amazon streaming, having rights to certain sports, makes more prime subscribers and getting that incremental membership mm-hmm. revenue for prime subscribers allows them to be priced leaders in e-commerce and be able to send you your tube of toothpaste with nothing else, <laughs> just the tube of toothpaste. It's negative margin. They're losing money on it. So a- Amazon, and this brings us back to these antitrust monopolistic conversations. I don't, it just really feels like, yeah, it feels like these big behemoths are each other's competition. And that's yeah. it. There's no space but for anyone else. Amazon's going. So my 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 group, my buddies, private equity group. So they own the, a conference around uh, global soccer, football, global football. Sorry, and they own two teams now. They had one, two teams. Amazon has approached them about the league and how to air the airing rights. Amazon's going deep into space, so I can see the NFL and all these folks heading that way yeah. eventually. Hey, CBS, gotta go. You know, Amazon's got deeper pockets and exactly what you said. Oh, I just watched the game. Let me click. If I'm watching my TV, I click on it. I can order 
the jersey off this cat's back, right? Well, totally, we were doing yeah. a TV back in the day. So I could see this can be a big, big thing. The, the biggest thing I see with Amazon would be, well, and you know, you'll, once you hear that they're hiring these people, then you know the game's about to change. <laughs> yeah. Because the issue really is from the streaming guys is who's going to handle the production, right? That's the real cost that no one thinks yeah. about, about licensing. Mm-hmm. There's a huge cost in the production uh, of the NFL and every other sports product. So if you hear Amazon's hiring hundreds of you know videographers or this and or PAs here and there, then you know they're yeah. going in heavy somewhere. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a great point. Yeah. Point, yeah. Yeah. So one of the things I one of the things I wanted to touch on before we end this this topic is it, it just goes back to some of the points that each of you touched on is the cable subscription industry is projected to lose about. $25 billion over the next couple of years, a uh, combination of subscription and advertising. And that's because, um, as we all know, there's roughly around a hundred million U S households that subscribe to some type of pay TV. Used to be, uh, you exactly <laughs> used to be a hundred million, 25 million have already canceled their services and they're doing some kind of other consumption of entertainment. There's projected to be another 25 million that's going to fall off. So that 25 billion is coming directly from a loss of, uh, 50 million U.S. household subscribers. And, you know, diversifying the revenue is a perfect marriage of, you know, Amazon's coming into play, Apple coming into play, which I don't think any of you mentioned. Uh, but people with other diversified revenue streams will change the landscape of media. And, you know, we won't just think about consuming content. We'll think about consuming content, purchasing something and having it delivered all to the home all at the same time. So yeah. this is, it's a, it's a great topic that we'll continue to monitor. And it was great to have Nora's uh, point of view on it. And it's something where uh, we touched on it earlier when we first kicked out the pod, we we're seeing it evolve now and we'll continue to uh, monitor it over time. And it's something that I'm excited to continue to watch because Netflix changed the game. Everyone is trying to catch up. And we're going to see how everyone else is evolving. So, um, you know, we'll, I just we'll say one thing about the cable guys, because, yes, as Clyde mentioned, he was in industry. I was on the distribution side, too. Yeah. On a programmer. I think what the operators are doing and they've already done, they've recognized the subscriber loss from the subscriber loss on the video side. Is it, it is what it is. They've switched it to worrying about Internet, the high speed Internet, et cetera, and making sure they focus on that because at the end of the day, no one's going to continue to pay for the video package, but they're going to pay for the internet. The only way you can get your Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, you can't get it from, there's no free Wi-Fi to, that anybody else is going to provide that you're going to have the yeah. speeds to handle that. So they're switching to that model. The traditional way, the cable operators who haven't focused on fo- um, H, yeah, it used to be called HSD, I don't know if it's still called that, mm-hmm. um, are going to fall apart. But I think Comcast, the Spectrums of the world, they are now focused on high-speed internet as their main revenue driver as a company. Mm-hmm. Love it. So Love I jumped it. in there. So, had, yeah, yeah so this, this has been a big... T- <laughs> I know, I know. You like, you like Kanye West. You, I'm, I'm gonna let you finish, but Beyonce had the greatest video of all time. That's true. I had to Taylor Swift. So, no, no, no. So, uh, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna end, we're gonna end uh, with you know some of our exciting hot. Um, 
episode of Shit You Should Know. Nora, as you don't know, as you may or may not know, is something that we dive into what we're reading, what we're consuming, what we're taking in, or just something that you want the overall audience to know that it's a, it's a quick nugget. So as a special guest, we want you to kick it off. Okay. Um, I want to highlight actually a news publication. <clears throat> it's called The Juggernaut. So it's focused on, yes, I see some head nods. Um, it's focused on the South Asian diaspora. So it was founded by Snigda Sur. She is one of the smartest people I've ever met in my entire life. We've had her on Cheddar a couple of times. But it's stories about brown people, brown communities that go untold, ranging from you know growing up with eating disorders in a brown family, because that kind of thing is just like not recognized in brown families, to the top biryanis that you should be making on your Thanksgiving. Uh-oh. It's like fun and lighthearted. Atul's like, yes, I know. Um, fun and lighthearted. Uh, mental health, how brown the brown community reacted to Kamala Harris's election. It is amazing. It's called The Juggernaut. Please check it out. Nice. Nice. Not sponsored. I have no relationship with them other than I enjoy it. (laughs) All right. Dope. 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 So uh, I'll go because I'm prepared this time for a change. I'm prepared. I'm prepared. (laughs) Uh, We're all prepared. We're trying to shine. Uh, So what I want to talk about is something that was shocking for me, maybe not as shocking for each of you, was that uh, starting this week, water was started as uh, being traded on Wall Street in the commodity futures market. do do the do the scarcity. So this is like you know buying oil, buying gold, buying wheat. Uh, so now water is going to be traded on the on the commodities market, and it's just amazing to me. So uh, that's something to watch out for because um, you know eventually the price of water may go up, and you wow. know gold gold right now is at eighteen hundred dollars uh, an ounce, uh, not an ounce, but uh, eighteen hundred dollars um, is where gold's at trading at today. So you know, that's something that we may going to continue to watch out, watch out for. May I, put, may I put my nerd finance hat on in this for a second? Okay. So I saw that too, right? So my cousin and I were talking about this. So here's the thing. Within 15, 20, 25 years, meat consumption will go down significantly because of alternative sources of getting those proteins. We're working through those kinks now beyond meat. We know all these things, right? So here's the thing. Water is heavy in the production, utilized heavily in the production uh, and grazing, raising of meat. So I think... There's a short play, a two decades is still a wonderful play on the futures of water and all that because you can add value to anything. We can do it to your orange hat right now if you want to Clyde. And then we can put a mar- <laughs> we can make, we can create a market around it and make margins, right? So that's what's going to happen here. I think you got a good, but eventually this industry will quiet down. I'm assuming. For, but I saw that. I was like, okay, that's the counter to it though. But you got a two decade run, so you're good. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway, Anthony, go ahead. Oh. <laughs> all right. So. I, I have one and I'll see how I feel after that. I might throw in a second one. All right. App tracking transparency feature. What? Apple. <laughs> Apple just introduced it, which will allow the consumer to stop apps from um, following them, tracking them, which hurts them down the line, hurts advertisers down the line from understanding who their consumers are and what's going on. Big kerfuffle in Europe right now. <laughs> Watch your language, how, man. <laughs> how that's going to play, but it's all about looking at Apple from a long range. Like, what are they doing as they're thinking about creating their own browser or they're having their own browser really growing? Excuse me. Um, it's something to pay attention to. Most people, as we talked earlier in the show, don't care about their privacy as much as they say they do. Let me see who who will click that feature mm. once it's active on, on on their platform, on their iOS platform. The thing about this, Anthony, is. 
this it's so it's so bad for like Facebook and other people who run advertising revenue. Facebook is really they know that. Yeah, they know it. You're, you're opting. You're forced to opt in now instead of opt out of this yeah. tracking. So this is going to be like the biggest test of whether consumers are paying attention at all or not, and the actual impact of Facebook. So like if you're if you're shopping for, I made this example earlier on Cheddar, but like if you're shopping for a puppy sweater on Chewy.com, we know very well that on Instagram, you're going to see like puppy sweaters forever. Yeah. Is that going to be a better or a worse user experience if you don't see stuff like that anymore? Right? Like mm. I've, I've fallen for ads on Instagram before. I kind of like the personalization of ads. Now, if I opt out of that tracking, I'm going to still get ads, but it might be for like, Toilet seat covers, like something that I'm not in the market mm-hmm. for. So I think that's a really good point, Anthony. It's it's a it's it's interesting to see. One, it's it's great. You know, it's a great. It's for their healthcare play, baby. It's the ecosystem, it, so they can. It is. It is grand opening, grand closing. Play. It's not. You know, it. They've been playing it for now over a year, a year, two years now. Their privacy angle. Yeah. Yep. Been, and now it's all the extra features are slowly coming out. I like yeah, it. Yeah, I'm loving it. I don't know if I'm gonna click. All right, I got some higher ground. I got some highbrow and some lowbrow. All right. So I thought Clyde, I thought Clyde was going to do this because he's good at mentioning these. So the deal, SoftBank, I know I've crapped on SoftBank a lot on this show, but I've also celebrated them for the Alibaba and the Sprint deal. Celebrate. They own a 25% stake in DoorDash. So they did well today. Good for them. Okay. Highbrow, a book that's several years old, I think three, four years old today. Alibaba, the house that Jack Ma built. Okay. I'm reading this book. It's a great book. And I just, I just want to look at what the king has done. And Jeff Bezos is our king, but man, you know, it's like he's, that guy is, he's got 15 phenomenal companies under one uh, that are all like that Trump, what we're doing there. And the funny thing is, as you read in this book, you know, like if you go, if you head to certain industries, I'm sorry, any headquarters in America, you'll see Jesus Christ or a, a picture of Jesus Christ, or depending on the ethnicity of the company, you'll see them celebrating in an office, right? They'll see that in China, in this book, what they're saying is you don't see any religious figure. You see Jack Ma's picture hanging as, you know, so that's phenomenal. Just want to point that out, but like, that's, a, it's a great book. All right. Funny. <laughs> hey, school teacher that went on to kill it, man. So this is, this could be your future, Anthony. <laughs> okay. Nora will understand this. She'll appreciate this. And she got closer to the winning the championship, the South Asian championship than I did um, on this podcast. So Clyde and Anthony, let me tell you how it is growing up in our households, right? So Kamala Harris, all right. She's half South Asian as we've discussed. And I can imagine if her mother, God rest her soul was alive. She'd probably say, Oh, congratulations on becoming vice president. You couldn't become president. That's the kind of shit that would have gone down, right? I'm just telling you. Oh, right. Oh, president was open too, though, right? That's what we have to deal with. Thank you, mom and pop. Low brow. Take it brow. Oh, okay. I didn't know which one was the low brow that you were going. For. Never satisfied. Never satisfied. Love you, mom, dad. Love you, mom, dad. <laughs> Another great episode of the Whiskey Hue. We are excited to have Nora Ali from Cheddar TV with us. She was great. We loved every moment. Uh, the topics that we touched on was so great. I want you guys to make sure that you go and like us, give us a review, visit us. Make sure you check out Nora on all the social platforms. And uh, thanks for visiting us. Peace. <laughs>